My house sits in the middle of a row of terraced houses in Sydney's inner west. It's not a big, grand, echoing old house. It's a worker's cottage. Single storey, two bedroom. It has a long straight corridor that leads through to the lounge and the kitchen. And there's a bathroom at the back. It's cosy, but it's also haunted. And this is a story of that haunting. What has happened and is continuing to happen at my little terraced house. Over the next few episodes, I will fill you in on life behind the wooden front door of my spooky house. Spooky house. Spooky house. forget about the scares. They fall back as the routine of life rumbles on. Bills to pay, work to do, friends and interests, they all attenuate the fear I feel at home alone. And when you catch yourself thinking about the watcher in the garden and the body you sense once lay on the floor of the hall, right where that wisp of white hovered below, you occasionally dream about things, you think about them, particularly when a creak in the hall stirs you from your slumbers. You try and work out if the accidental death in the hallway, the man knocked flat by one punch, who may be the watcher himself, or the woman in the front room, yes, she was still around. You wonder if they are here or whether it's just a dream. Over the months that came, I got into two things. I got into researching the history of my house and I got into the paranormal. A scientist through and through, I'd always held a healthy skepticism for the stuff that we couldn't see, couldn't touch, and which frankly sat outside my schema of being an atheist. And yet here we are. Looking back, I realised, however, that I've always been strangely drawn to old places and old tales of terror and woe, picking up perhaps, I now deduced, on more than just a joy of history and a good yarn. Perhaps I was sensing more than I cared to admit. We had a party. It was my husband's 45th. A key date for vinyl record buffs, according to him. So the date was set and we prepared as much as we generally prepared for anything. Well, perhaps a little more. We bought decorations, we bought streamers, we bought lights. We made a tiki bar from an old wooden countertop we found by the side of the road. And we even turned the laundry out the back into a DJ booth. We invited a few close friends and opened up the yard. A good time was had by all, including our friend Anne, as she grabbed the phone, taking shot after shot to mark the night. 
All went well until we were lying in bed, tired and happy, and I scrolled through the images on my phone. Amid the images of laughing friends and party shenanigans, a series of four shots caught my eye. They'd been taken in quick succession and captured a group of four of my friends sitting around a table at the back of the yard. Throughout the series of four shots, they barely changed position, apart from one friend whose hand slowly reached out towards his drink. Frame one was normal. Frame two the same. Frame three. What on earth was that? A bolt of light approximately three feet in length appeared basically on my friend's lap. And in the fourth frame, it went. I didn't know what this was. I sent the snaps to my friend. She freaked out. What is it? She texted back. I looked at the photos again. I showed them to my husband. But there was no explanation. There was no cigarette, no flash, no errant fairy lights, no torches. Nothing was in evidence to cause that light. We had no explanation. Friendly ghosts, we laughed. But on the inside, I wasn't finding it much fun. I'd heard you could talk to these things. Connect with the other world via a pendulum of some kind. Dowsing, I think they called it. I read that you could ask it things. It would swing one way for yes and one way for no. What have I got to lose, I figured. I didn't really believe in this stuff, but you never know. So two days after the party, I sat cross-legged at the bottom of the garden on the brick floor near where we'd seen the light, a pendant dangling from my left hand. I looked at the pendant glinting in the light that came from the back of the house. It was a crystal on a silver chain and I wondered how this all actually worked. I cleared my throat. Show me a yes, I said. The pendant, instead of swinging, almost stopped dead it was like it was straining towards the floor. <laughs> that didn't work, so what now? But then, as I held the pendant, it started going in a circle, slowly at first, but then the circle suddenly became a swing from side to side, getting bigger and bigger, and I had my answer. Okay, I said, now show me a no. The pendant stopped surprisingly suddenly, spinning on a single point. And then it started swinging the other way, forward and backwards. So it works, I thought, a flutter of excitement rising in my chest. It was time for a question. Are you male? I asked. The pendant stopped swinging backwards and forwards and began its trajectory by a spin to the left and the right. That was a yes. When were you born? I asked. The pendant slowed, turning on its chain. Too difficult a question, I realised. I would have to ask another way. Okay, I asked. Were you aged over 80 when you died? No, said the emphatic swing. Were you aged over 70 when you died? I asked again. No. Were you aged over 60? 
the pendant slowed and started swinging left to right, I had my answer again. I thought I'd try and find out what this entity might want. Do you want to move on, I asked. I had no idea what I would do if it said yes, but it sounded like the sort of question you should ask someone who was in your house. The pendant twirled, a bit unclear, and then it started getting strange. My head started swimming. I wanted to imagine a white light coming down, opening it up and taking the man up into its glare and away. That's what I'd read about. That's what I'd read that you should do. That's what you should think. But all I could see was the ground opening up below in my mind's eye, with beams of purple and off-white light coming out like pinpricks in a black morass. All I could see were black figures, the outlines of shadows pouring out of the hole coming right towards me. Something was coming towards me that was dark, not just in colour, but in intent. I took a breath to try and clear my mind. I'm in control, I thought desperately, trying to regain focus. Send him to the light. I will send him to the light, I wheeled. But it was no good. A chill hit me where I sat, travelling all the way up my legs and my back. An icy chill that could not be explained by sitting on the floor at the back of the yard. Another world was coming my way. I dropped the pendant and got to my feet. My heart was pounding in my chest. What had I done? I didn't know what I was doing. What had I done? I stooped again, picked up the torch, found the pendant where it lay and took them and myself back inside. I'm sure it's worked, I thought to myself. I'm sure it has. I'm sure he, the watcher, has gone. The sister part of this episode to my strange and scary story is the fact that I've been doing a lot of research into the paranormal, looking in a way for explanations and for advice. I certainly turned to the internet to help me understand how to communicate with whatever might have been lurking down at the bottom of the garden. And it's great that for those without a direct line to the other side, i.e. mediums and psychics, there are options. Obviously, there's the old horror film and children's favourite, the Ouija board, where you get to push a planchette around a board that has alphabet letters on it, some numbers, a yes, no, and an ominous goodbye. But I don't want to start using that kind of stuff. I've heard enough bad stories about what happens when people at the other end aren't who they say they are. The other option is a pendulum. I don't know if it's any less dangerous, but it gives you less options. You have a yes, which is a swing one way, and a no, which is a swing the other way. Alternatively, it could maybe spin for you. Who knows? As well as helping communication with the other side, Pendulums can also be used as a dowsing tool. Again, using the yes, no and asking it questions, but this time not of some being in another plane, but more getting in touch with your body. You can actually do dowsing for health, where you ask the pendant what vitamins you might need, or what the cause of a particular pain might be, or what you now need to do next. 
obviously the advice is limited to yes or no so you have to ask accordingly the other even more practical option is dousing for water or even dousing for minerals there are a number of dousers associations in pretty much most states of australia i found the dousing society of new south wales's website apparently they meet on the third sunday of every month and call dousing the art of divining they say that the process of dousing or divining is almost as old as man himself with neolithic cave paintings found depicting figures holding dowsing rods. Yep, it's not only pendants that can be used to douse. You can get some metal or wooden rods and the point at which they cross or switch to left or right can indicate where what you are looking for lies. However, diviners tend to use pendulums more than any other tools. They do say the length and the size of the pendulum is not important. At the start of a dowsing or divining, or even spiritual communication, the diviner or dowser must first establish the direction of a yes response and the direction of a no response. And how that yes or no response eventuates depends on the individual. It may be a swing back and forth, to the side or a spin. They say that the uses of dowsing can be for map dowsing, which is to aid surveying of any sort. It can be to locate a desired object and it can be used to clear negative energy. On that front, I would say if you are using it to communicate with things from other planes, unlike me, blundering straight in, you should learn to ground yourself and apply protection. Protection can be in the form of imagining yourself bathed in a white or blue light and by calling upon archangels, such as Archangel Michael, to protect you while you do this. You can also imagine the energy of the earth, golden colour, is flooding up your legs, through your body and out of the top of your head to actually help ground you and protect you. Dowsing has even become a topic for the New Scientist publication. I found an article from 2009 when scientific research was being undertaken following around a group of Californian dowsers who actually helped farmers find out ways to irrigate their properties. However, as with all paranormal and supernatural and things we don't yet understand type phenomena, it has not performed particularly well in rigorous scientific tests in controlled environments. Whether that's because we're ascribing an overcautious measure to test significance, or whether we just aren't measuring the right things, and whether we can't actually measure the right things just yet, is open to conjecture. The new scientist guy finds it interesting and remains relatively open, although they do follow on to report that subconscious mental activity could be causing strange muscle movements that you aren't connecting as being from your thoughts. So in short, it's not that it doesn't exist, it's just that it hasn't been proven yet. Sleep well, people.